Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Good on FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back to the House of History on KKNW 1150 AM Seattle and KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles. I'm your host today, Al Warren. And uh, today we are jumping right into it because we've got a great guest and uh, always good to have him back um, when we talk about true crime. He's got, he's got the experience that uh, uh, we need to see more of. And uh, so here he is. It's uh, M. William Phelps. Thank you for being here, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, Al. I always appreciate your support. Wow, so you just keep on going. Where do you get the energy to keep on going? I see you've got a new book out. You've got a whole list of things going on with uh, shows. And, uh, and um, wow, where does it come from? <laughs> I don't know, Al. I just kind of I do the same thing every day. You know, I get up at uh, 5 in the morning, get on the hamster wheel, and start running. And when it's time to stop, I stop, you know, and things kind of get done that way. And, um I'm very passionate about what I do. I love what I do, and I'm grateful and blessed uh, to be able to do it. So I don't take it for granted, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it shows. It shows, and that's probably why you last so long in the business and and you stay on people's minds because uh, uh, I, I think there's something about a passion or someone that does something that comes from the heart that uh, is real that um, it sticks with people. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. It's uh, the kind of books I read, the kind of documentaries that I watch, are are done by people who 
have skin in the game, you know, who, who have done it uh, with heart, with passion, with dedication, and with focus. And so, you know, when I, when I start a book or I started a documentary, whether I'm executive producing it, whether I'm creating it, writing it, or I'm in it, I put every single percentile of my soul into it. Uh, it's the only way I know how to do things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, now on the latest book, uh, Where Monsters Hide, you know, sex, murder, madness in the Midwest. Um, what, what was the idea? Where did you, where did that come from for you? How did you get on to writing this book? What was the, I, what was the happening, I would say, that turned you uh, into following this through? I, you know, with this case in particular, this case in particular was something that I just saw across the, the, the wire, you know, the true crime wire one day. Uh, I saw Kelly Cochran, who is really the focus of the book. I started to read her story a little bit, and I became more interested as I read. So I just kind of followed her story for a little while because in the beginning I didn't see much there. Um I also like the location. This is Upper Peninsula, uh, the Upper Peninsula in way up in Michigan towards the Canadian border. And it's kind of a, a Fargo type of area. And it, and it has that, it, it has that atmosphere. And it also has the characters, you know. Um, and, and this story kind of plays with that whole Fargo through crime. Um, uh, the theme of Fargo, and I'm talking about like the series on Hulu more than the movie. Right. Um, so it, it it kind of felt like that to me, right down to the detectives, the sheriffs, um, and all the players involved. And you know, and the other thing is, I've written so many books about serial killers, and I've I've done so much work with serial killers and interviewed uh, serial killers for thousands of hours. That I can smell a serial killer coming, and you know, a mile away, out, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I kind of saw that in this case. Yeah. So, so intuition there. There was something in there, and uh, so when when you're dealing with, well, yeah, when you're dealing with characters like that that are different to uh, what you're used to, um, do you find that you go and just sort of adapt to the society and? to become part of it um, while you're doing your research? Yeah, exactly. I, I interview as, as many people as I can for a book. Um, and some of the people I interview are just simply uh, people who live in town, um, people, you know, at the town hall, people uh, uh, at the Elks Club, um, people who aren't connected with the story but have lived in a town for their, their entire life. So... I try to get a perspective of each place uh, from the people who know it best, and that's the people who live there. Yeah, it's so important. So important. It, it fills in the story. Um, and also, when you get when you get to um, having a victim, and you're you're dealing with a, a killing, and the victim itself, um, how important is it for you to understand that victim? And and talk with the family and friends and employees and 
all of that. Um, do you make that a key element of what you do in your writing? One hundred percent. I mean, uh, that that is usually my first call when I start to when I when I decide, OK, I'm going to look at this story for a potential book and I start to get interested in it. One of my first calls is to the victim's family, because if they're not on board, then I'm out. I am totally out. Um, when I when I write a true crime book, I need to tell the victim's story uh, in full, uh, because what happens with true crime, as we know, the victims become a headline uh, on TV and a lot of books. They they're just a headline. They're just you know someone who was murdered. When I write a book or I do a documentary, victims are a central focus of it. Their entire lives, not just what happened to them, but who they were, what they did their dreams, their goals, the people they knew. I, I, I want to talk to as many of those people as possible. And in this case, uh, you know, I started talking to, uh, the victim's name is Chris Reagan Sr., and I started talking to his son, Chris Reagan Jr., and the more that I talked to Chris Reagan Jr., the more interested I became in, in writing this book because there was a story there between a father and a son as well as the father being a victim of a crime. Yeah, there's usually a pretty complex um, working going on uh, that leads to a crime like this that um, a, a lot of authors will miss. They'll 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 just use the the main marks, sort of speak. Um, do you sort of do you, do you associate that with the kind of the the state of of true crime? Um, you know, in television and books and everything right now, being so popular, it's, it's almost to an, an exploitation of, of, of true crime? In, in many ways, it is. I mean, there's so much of it now. There's so much of it on television, especially. Uh, not so much in books anymore. Uh, the television market is kind of, uh, which is good, is kind of eaten up part of the the trashy end of true crime and taking it away, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that all day long, that, that uh, yeah, um, victims of murder are often the last part of the story. Uh, uh, and and I disagree with that vehemently. And I, I you know, one of, one of the great true crime writers who is, the best at this, who I've learned a lot from, is Jack Olson. Jack Olson could, Jack Olson could write a book, and he could he could get you so familiar with this victim in the family that by the time the victim was dead, you were crying with the family because you knew this person so well. And you know that takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of extra work, and it and it and it takes you know, uh, a lot of thinking, to be honest, uh, uh, of how you're going to do it. And that's missing in a lot of true crime television in particular. I, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. personally, I find that um, when I'm involved in the writing aspect of it, I find that there's so much that these TV programs, and even now the podcast ones that tell stories, um, I find so much is missed in 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 the in the whole story like you you um i i don't know how you find it but i i, I just i sometimes i'm frustrated with 
seeing some of these shows, and it's like there's there's so much missing in the story. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned podcasts, and that's a great example. Um, you know, when you a lot of times when you hear a podcast about a true crime, you know, you, you get to the victim, and the the victim was born in 1950. They lived in Dallas, Texas. Uh, they like skiing. They like sunbathing. And then it's on to you know all the all the more uh, sexy parts of the of the story, if you will. But if you do the research and you really dig into someone's life, you, you know every life is interesting. We all have interesting stories to tell, and victims of murder, in particular, you know, there's there's generally a little bit more than that um, because of some element that led them to. Uh, I should say the victims of murder that I write about, there's generally more to that because there's always something that led them not to being murdered, but that there's something else going on in their lives. So, so uh, in this particular case, you know, we had an affair, you know, that was going on. Um, so, so there's always another added level. But even when you go back, when you go back and you start looking at, you know, high school years, uh, college years, um, I mean, I'm writing about a woman now who, uh, a victim of murder now who just had an incredible, incredible life. And, and, and it's, it's a pleasure really for me. And it, it's really, it really humbles me to write about her entire life because her entire life is so rich, you know. Um, but it is definitely missing in the podcast arena for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it, 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 there isn't the time for them to do the research, and then they're they're going offline and they're going on wherever they can get it. Um, that, that that's why I still particularly I'm not fussy on the the stories. I'd rather get the people involved in the case, or or the authors that go out and write it the police, the victims' families. I'd rather hear from people involved because you get a, a real feel for what happened more than just uh, secondhand, you know? Yeah, and, and to, to add to that, I mean, in order to write true crime like a novel, to write it like fiction, you know, I... I, I, I 100% accuracy is what I'm after. I write nonfiction. I don't embellish. I don't make things up to, you know, to make the story move along. Every single thing in the book is something I researched and found out. So in order to make that book read like a novel, you have to do an extensive amount of extra research on things you wouldn't even think of, you know, like their favorite food, their, what kind of car did they drive, how did they dress, what, what was their habit every morning. So you have to get all this information in order to make the book read like a piece of fiction. Without it, you know, you're, you're just writing about a one-dimensional person, really. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It, it, t it takes away the feeling of it. And, and, uh, and now, have you ever had this where you've... Um, had one of your books used or yourself used with your information from a book on one of those shows and they sort of have changed it or left a lot out? Has that ever come across for you? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, as a producer and an executive producer of some of these shows, um, I know what it takes to, to be behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. 
And a lot of times when a show comes to me about a, a story I've written in one of my books, uh, it, it's only going to be as good as who goes on camera. Um, and then when you're dealing with TV, there's certain protocols, there's certain guidelines you have to follow from the network. So it's, 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 there's so many people involved when you're talking about a television program. There's so many executives involved that, you, you know, you're making a television show. You're, you're, not, you're not writing a book. You're not doing a podcast. You know, you are making a television show for a television audience, and it has to meet all the criteria that the network really wants uh, in their programming. So it really becomes cumbersome, and it becomes constricted. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wonder how. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I try to hand over. Yeah. I try to hand over all my research when I, when I, when it, when it, when a television production company comes to me for one of my books. I try to, you know, give them all of my research and say, you know, have at it, you know, and uh, you know. So I try to, I try to open everything up to them so they have the material. And that's all I can do. After that, it's out of my hands, you know? Right, right. Yeah, then it becomes, well, in a, in a way, it becomes a little bit more entertainment then. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's entertainment. It's pure entertainment. It's nothing but entertainment, you know? Yeah. And unless, you're making, unless you're making feature documentaries, like I'm making a, uh, I'm in the process of making a documentary with Joe Berlinger right now, who did the uh, Memphis Three, Paradise Lost trilogy. Uh, he's got the Bundy tapes now on Netflix, and, and you know, so he's a he's a he's a documentary filmmaker. You know, he's not a he's not a, a he's not making a, uh, a you know a show uh, a weekly series, if you will. Right. You know, that's that's. That's just one subject, boom, like I'm on a show called Deadly Women. It's the same format. 13 seasons in, it's the same format every single week. So uh, there's filmmakers out there who aren't doing that. They're making actual documentaries where they can get into the entire lives of, of everybody. It's more of a literary form, if you will, of, of TV. It's not entertainment. Um, there's an entertainment value to it, but it's it's not entertainment specifically whereas a lot of the true crime television uh, on tv today is just it, it is entertainment yeah 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 uh, yeah and they're going to focus on things that um keep you going uh, you, they don't want you to turn the channel right i mean <laughs> exactly 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 you know all the salacious moments of the crime are going to be up front you know that's just the way it is yeah um and, and uh, you know, uh, of course, <clears throat> the, de- the detective work plays a good, good major role in it uh, to keep the mystery element going of the show. Um, and of course, the killer—the killer is always a big catch. If you can interview the killer or you tell the killer's story, you know that's that's what people watching those shows want to see. You know, and I get it. I understand. I've made those shows. I, I, I've made those shows. Um, and it's hard. It's hard, you know. But I've made other shows too, you know. So um, I've been on both ends of it. Yeah, yeah. It serves a purpose. So that so that uh, docu docu series or that you're working on with uh, with Joe, um, that's the one about the Oklahoma City, right? Uh, um, 
no, 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 no. I'm working on a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, a, a documentary based off my book, Dangerous Ground, which uh, the subtitle is My Friendship with a Serial Killer. I've been interviewing Happy Face Killer for going on eight years now, and uh, I'm close, I'm very close to solving one of uh, his unsolved uh, crimes. And so the documentary is going to focus on my investigation into the unsolved crime. That must take a huge part of your your life, but how about the mental element of it? I mean, dealing with a serial killer like that for so long and putting yourself through that mentally... Um, where do you come out in the, in, in the end? How, how does that change you? <laughs> what a question, Al. Um, it broke me. Um, when I say interviewing a serial killer for eight years, I don't mean a letter here and picking up the phone here and there. I mean, I, I have over 8,000 pages of letters from him to me. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of audio recordings from phone calls. And I have Skype video um, calls that we've done, not to mention all the prison visits and not to mention all the thought about everything. Um, it broke me. It broke me. It broke me psychologically. It broke me spiritually. It broke me emotionally. And it broke me personally. Uh, I'm coming out of a, a period of my life that eight years ago, if you'd have asked me, this is where it would be, I'd have laughed in your face and said, not a chance. Um, and it, it's 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 been one of the it's been one of the worst experiences of my life. The per, the personal and the spiritual and the emotional downfall from it all. Mm. It, 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 it's, I know, you know, the way I described it, when I was kind of doing a book tour with Dangerous Ground and where I really get into the minutiae of our, of our friendship, if you will, with quotes, I, I spoke about it like this, uh, you know, when you enter into something like that, as a researcher like myself, as a writer, uh, I had written several books about serial killers, but these were interviews I did, very constrained, prison interviews, couple hours, couple of follow-up phone calls, done. But when you enter into what I did, which was a project that getting into the mind of the serial killer and figuring out everything and really trying to break the serial killer into helping uh, solve some of his own crimes, which is which is my goal. And I was kind of working with law enforcement behind the, the scene. He didn't know it. When you enter into something like that, what it's like is this. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like jumping into cold water. You get into the cold water and it's shocking. It's alarming. But you stay in that cold water for a period of time and you start to get used to it. It starts to feel warmer to you. Uh, the water temperature hasn't changed, but you have just gotten used to it. But before you know it, you know, you've got hypothermia, you know, and you didn't even see it coming. So that's the metaphor I kind of used. And, it, it, and it's, it's, it's really... Uh, the perfect metaphor because that's exactly what happened you know um i never expected to end up with eight thousand pages of of 
letters and you know dozens of paintings from this guy christmas cards uh you know uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of listening to him ramble about his crimes and about society and about victims and you know just anything you could imagine um so yeah that 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 was full on now now the, the golden pot at the rain at the end of the rainbow uh, for me in this is it, it, I could redeem all of that by solving this case and 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 identifying one of his Jane Doe's and bringing this poor girl who is a box of bones in a Florida lab with a number on it, bringing her home to her family and say, "I've identified your missing daughter." Uh, who's been missing 25 years, and here she is. You can now bury her. That would be redeeming for me because this this Jane Doe that he murdered would now have a name. She wouldn't be a spirit roaming the earth anymore with no place to go. She would she would have a name, and this victim would be uh, vilified in this. She would be finally her story will finally be told, and it will have an ending. Uh, right now. Someone has a missing child, and they, and they don't, and they have no idea where she is, and it's her. And I have to put the two together. Yeah, that's it's. I, I would find um, even when you solve that, um, the amount of emotional um, turmoil that you've and pain that you've had to go through for the years. Um, it still changed you forever. Absolutely, and and there's been so many ups and downs. You know, we've had breaks with. Um, I say we, I mean me and my private investigator are the ones who basically are working, have been working on it all these years, with the help of you know law enforcement and forensics and DNA and all this. But we've had moments where we had champagne on ice, and we were you know uh, figuratively speaking, we had champagne on ice, and we were. This is this is her. There's just no doubt. There's a hundred percent. Everything fits. Everything fits. Bang! The DNA comes in. Not her. So um, there's been moments like that, you know. And I say moments, but those moments take months to build up to, you know. Um, and then they come crashing down. Um, but now, now I can sit here and say that ninety-eight percent sure that I'm gonna I'm gonna identify her within the next. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Uh, six months. Absolutely 98.9% sure. Well, let's hope so. You know, um, uh, all of these, all of these things help, and and that that leads me to two different directions. There, one is the uh, um, the misconception, I think, uh, or misunderstanding of what the serial killer really is in pulp culture. You know. Um, huge misunderstanding. Huge. Yeah, because you've just dealt with this for for years, and so you have an inside feel, and so you go home, sit down, put your feet up, and turn on the TV, and on comes some show, and they show some serial killer. That's it's just nothing like what it it really is. Yeah, it, it's it's not. You know, it, the image we have in this country of a serial killer is really a guy who wears a clown suit or it's Ted Bundy or it's the Green River. It's the big name serial killers, right? Uh, and, and, and that's really the wrong image because um, the serial killer is, is really, you know, most people, what most people don't realize about the serial killer's mind is this, that the serial killer wakes up in the morning and thinks entirely different than your average person. They just don't think the same way as you and me and the rest of the world. There's so many different wires in their brain being crossed at the same time that 
they, 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 you know, well, well, number one, we're talking about a psychopath, pure psychopath. There's zero, there's no mental illness involved. So put that aside. So, so that has to be said right away. There's no mental illness. This person is a psychopath. Now, and, and not a sociopath, a psychopath, which, which again, in this country, we, we kind of blend those. And that's wrong, right? Right. So, but this, but the serial killer, not the proverbial. You're not going to wake up someday and say, "Geez, I, I I've watched that guy cut his lawn for 20 years," and you know, it's not BTK. You know, that's not your 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 typical serial killer when we describe 99.9 percent of serial killers. Um, you know, most. Most serial killers are addicted to a, to a substance or alcohol, and of course their lives reflect that. Most are loners. You know, they don't they don't have a family. They don't have a wife who they've been they've been lying to and conning for twenty years. That's you know that's another fantasy. Uh, that's that's in popular culture. Most serial killers, uh, their lives are organized, right? And, and that's one of the reasons why. They the organization of their crimes is so structured because that's the one thing that they can, can control, right? The one thing they can control is when they commit their crimes and their victims and all of that stuff. Um, the, the other part, if we go deeper into the psychology of the serial killer, is that you, you, you have to understand that with a serial killer, there's a, there's a, there's a fantasy playing on a loop inside their head. And that fantasy has been developed since, I don't know, childhood maybe, um, uh, maybe the teen years, something like that. Um, but it's, it's something that, that, that the serial killer never deviates from. That's why you see serial killers that have these, these uh, the victims all turn out to be kind of similar, right? right. A serial killer might choose let my choose all 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 prepubescent boys you know he might he might be also a pedophile on top of it or a serial killer might choose all blonde blue-eyed uh college age women right and and and, and that's because that person is is set inside the loop inside the fantasy inside their head that's why um it's not because they're they're diabolical and they're trying to become some celebrity or anything like that. This is, this is fulfilling a need. That's what you're doing. They're fulfilling a need. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big discussion really. Um, you know, uh, when we talk about that, that I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the image we have of a serial killer in this country is Ted Bundy, Green River, John Wayne Gacy, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, some, some people even mislabel Charles Manson as a serial killer, and he's never killed anybody that we know of. So, um, you know, uh, it's 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 a large discussion. Yeah, it's one that I'm very passionate about because you know, I've been in the trenches with these guys. I I, I know I know who they are. You know, um, uh, and yeah, I mean, just look at some of the really. Look at some of the cases that have been opened up recently in the past 10 years, for example. And what you're going to see is you're going to see an African-American trend in serial killers that started to rise. You're going to see uh, a lot of these cases are inner city cases, you know, uh, 
uh, and you're going to see these people's lives are very disorganized. You know, they're they're hoarders and they're you know and uh, you know they move around a lot. You know that sort of thing. You know, um, but but we like to glorify it a lot. You know, we like to glorify it. Yeah, yeah. We we want the uh, ultimate in the serial killer. He has to have all the proper proper uh, etiquette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the clown suit, right? Yeah. You know, that's very that's very you know saleable. Yeah. The clown suit. The guy who lives in the house where you know he 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 goes to kids parties. He plays the clown, but yet he's burying kids underneath his house. Yeah. You know, it doesn't get any more sexy than that in true crime, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the anomaly. That's the anomaly. That's not the norm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it's the anomaly. And, and and so do you think now, like you're you're working on cold cases and you're trying to figure out like this, uh, this, 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 um, do you, you know, unnamed person in this other case, uh, do you think the uh, technology is there to solve a lot of these new cold cases that, we've had around for years yeah it's the technology is breaking really every month new technology in these cases the problem is is there's not enough manpower there's there's no money and you know basically there's just not enough uh people to dedicate to bringing out all these cases and really put them through the the testing but the technology yeah is is really helping there's there's all sorts of new DNA testing that can be done. Um, there's 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 testing now where uh, you could take DNA from somebody and uh, you can put it into a uh, a database and you can put it into this, this specialized type of computer system and it'll spit out uh, a composite drawing of the person. So it'll take the DNA and actually give you a composite drawing of who the person is. Um, and they're pretty damn close from what I've seen um, to the real people. Um, so uh, there's that. There's uh, you know everybody talks about 23andMe and Ancestry and that. Well, you know th- that can work. That definitely can work as a, as we've seen in the Golden State Killer case. We've seen that work there. Uh, but you need a really great great sample of DNA to, to, in order for that to work. And you also need to make sure that family members of that person are inside the database. So a couple of stars have to align for that process to work. Um, when you talk about a 30-year-old cold, cold case, if, if you don't have a good DNA sample, meaning, you know, blood, uh, saliva, hair, that sort of, uh, not even hair really, because hair is kind of tricky, but blood, uh, saliva, skin, tissue sample, if you don't have that, then it's really hard to do the, the ancestry thing. You know, it's really hard to do it with bone marrow and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, technology is really, really, really helping a tremendous amount. So do you think that now that our technology's moved further, now do you think that this will also create a new type of killer, a new type of, of serial killer, and uh, a, a new type of crime that will be ahead of what we do have do you know what i mean is it going to move uh, it I, forward yeah you know, you're, you're you're talking about like minority report that yeah. story by philip k dick yeah. yeah tom cruise no and generally speaking killers aren't that smart 
Right. So, so killer killers really aren't that smart um, in that sense. Um, it, the, the thing about today is really you cannot get away with murder today. You know, um, you, it's very very difficult to get away with murder today um, if you're just starting out, <laughs> if you will. Um, it, it's 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 there's just there's just so many ways for you to get caught today as opposed to 25 years ago or even 20 years ago um, that it's very very difficult. Uh, if the manpower's there in order to investigate a crime. I do not think it'll make killers smarter, serial killers, because serial killers in general, uh, some of them may have an, a high IQ, but that doesn't mean they're smart, right? Um, it just means that they're, they score well on, on testing and, and they're, they're intelligent as far as books, you know, um, uh, academics or whatever. It doesn't mean that they are smart. And, you just can't, you can't outrun technology today. You, you can't do it. You, you can't do it. And, um, it, the, the only thing I wish for, and I hope to see more of it as we move forward, is communication between districts and law enforcement. If, the, if there's, if there's more communication as far as crimes go, murders especially, then you're gonna catch serial killers a lot sooner than, than you would 20 years ago where they could kill 10 and then they were caught. Um, and there is, there, there, there is some technology being done to, to implement that. Meaning there's a, there's a, there's a computer system, there's a database system now, uh, that is kind of looking for clusters of murders. So let's say, you know, you're in the Pacific Northwest area. Let's say, let's say, uh, okay, in Spokane and then in Seattle, and then in Portland, over the course of three months, a different girl was found, um, um, let's say, strangled to death and missing, like, two fingers. Uh, years ago, you would have to have those law enforcement agencies in those, those different places communicate that information in different ways, maybe over the wire or, you know, whatever. Now there's actual computer programs looking for those clusters to pop up, and then they point them out to law enforcement. Hmm. Now, this is a little bit of a, a, a deep question. I, I, if, if you don't want to get into it, that's, that I understand. Do you think that? Um, do you think law enforcement and the serving of uh, investigations against lower income people in their murder cases um, is still quite bad? Do, do you think it's equal all the way around? It's definitely not equal. Um, you know, if you're poor in the inner city and you're a minority and you're in court facing a murder rap, chances are you're going to get convicted. Um, if you're uh, wealthy, you come from a wealthy family, and you know you're you're white and you're you're, you're blue eyed, and you got the high powered attorney. You know you, you got a much better shot at it, at getting away with it. That's that's just that's just the that's just the way humanity works, and and it's sad, it's disgusting. Um, you know, and I talk about this a lot. I talk about I talk about the fact that. Uh, minorities uh, get the 
they get the bad end of everything in the justice system. Um, um, and it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And, and, and if, if you're asking me if law enforcement sometimes goes after them and knows that they can get a conviction a little easier, absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. Um, you know, of course, we're not talking about all law enforcement. We're just talking about, you know, some. Um, right. But, yeah, and, and, and we're seeing that more and more uh, uh, play out where, where, you know, we're seeing wrongfully convicted minorities getting let out of jail after 30 years, 20 years, 40 years. You know, I, I, I just got involved in a case maybe six months ago in Oklahoma uh, City, uh, I'm going to be executive producing and writing a documentary about a guy named Daniel Holtzclaw, who's serving 263 years in an Oklahoma state penitentiary for raping, being convicted of raping, sexually assaulting 13 women, um, and he was an Oklahoma City cop at the time. And this case, this case has all the elements of everything we've talked about, really, uh, in that respect. It has all of those elements are in play here. Um, you have just, you have minorities as victims. You have an Asian American as the perpetrator. Uh, you have high-powered Benjamin Crump, the attorney representing the victims. You have... Um, Kathleen Zellner, who, who represents Making the Murderer, Steve Avery, representing Daniel Holtzclaw now. And, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a bunch of evidence that just points to this guy's innocence over and over and over and over and over. I could say that ten more times. And you have nothing, really, that points to him being guilty. And he was convicted, and so I, I get I get hundreds of people writing to me every year, hundreds and hundreds saying, "Oh my, my son was convicted; he's innocent. My daughter was convicted; innocent. My my sister's cousin was uh, committed suicide, but I think it's murder." And 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 a majority of that is denial, right? It's just denial. And this was another family family who came to me, the Holtzkoff family, and I. Again, I shrugged my shoulders at first and said, ah, they're just, they must be in denial. And I started to look at it and I started to look at the media reports. And, and I'm like, ah, they get, you know, I don't see much here. And then I started talking to everyone and I started to, um, look at the documentation and look at the actual evidence. And what I found just blew me away. Just blew me away. So, yeah. It, this country uh, has a lot of problems in the justice system, for sure. That can be fixed. It can be fixed. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, uh, I'd like to see it. Uh, um, some more evidence of something changing in the system to make it look like it will be fixed. Yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see that, and it's it's very sad. It's very very sad. Um, I'd like to see everybody get a fair shot. You know, everybody deserves a fair shot. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
and, and, you know, you go to different jurisdictions, you go to different cities, and you see different forms of justice everywhere. It amazes me because I look at cases, I've written books about cases all over the country. So I, I, get, a, I get a chance to look at the justice system's work all over the country, and they, they work different. You know, yeah. uh, conservative, liberal, you know, independent. I mean, it's all plays. That all plays into it, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a, a passion of mine. It's, it really is becoming a passion of mine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. It it. Well, we're glad you're on it. <laughs> uh, thanks, Al. <laughs> we got the right guy on it. So um, now, before we go, let's talk about. Uh, so you've got the the book that just came out now, and you're working on another book as well. Yeah, I'm working on a, another book, and I'm working on four documentaries right now. Um, Yep. Wow. That's my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you must love it then. I do love it, and I'm, um, I'm actually going to be throwing a, a podcast in there too soon. Uh, I'm working with somebody uh, um, with one of the big podcasting companies, and I might, I might do uh, some podcasts, uh, but investigatory podcasts, you know, yeah. 10, 13 episodes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the book Where Monsters Hide, it just came out last week. It's doing very well. It's, you know, it's about Chris Reagan, 53-year-old guy, goes missing one day. Upper Peninsula, Michigan, small town, snowy. He goes missing. And it's like, where did Chris Reagan go? And um, a very, very smart, intuitive, dedicated uh, sheriff, um, Laura Frizzo, um, begins to look at this and has a strange feeling about it. And she begins to knock on doors and what she finds, uh, I mean, I sound like, uh, uh, I'm doing a commercial for my book, but what she <laughs> finds is, is, is incredible, really, what she finds. And only because she persisted. You know, this this case involves like the, the state police come in and they're like, "Nah, you're you're barking up the wrong tree with this. This is you're going in the wrong direction." And she will not give up. She will not give up. And what she really uncovers is wow. And the, the feedback I'm already getting from the book is that Kelly Cochran, one of the central figures in this book, is is really one of the most diabolical psychopaths that I've ever written about. I didn't really find that while I was. I found her to be kind of mundane and feeble and kind of predictable. But some of the stuff she does is 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 really interesting. And there's there's some other missing people that become involved in this. Um, and uh, yeah, it involves you know, it involves uh, let's see, uh, jigsaws and power tools and pigs and a pig farm and. Um, it involves a lot of things that, yeah, lots of sex. You know, she, she, she was cheating on her husband with, you know, four or five different guys at a time. Uh, yeah. You know, and we're talking Upper Peninsula, Michigan here. We're talking, you know, as small town as it gets, really. Uh, you know, um, so, so it's, it's, yeah, where monsters hide, where monsters hide, sex, murder, and madness in the Midwest. That's the perfect title. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. yeah. I'm looking so. forward to listening to it. I, I, I just picked it up on the uh, audio book. So I'll be excellent. Thank you. I'll be excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep me up at yep. night. Excellent. Well, uh, uh, yeah. This one, this one will out. Yep. This one will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, now, um, we're always glad to have you on. Uh, do you have um, contact information or anything for people or any sort of uh, leads you want people to, uh, if they have something to say to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mwilliamphelps.com. You can go there. My email address is there. My office phone number is there. You know, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter, so it's at mwilliamphelps. Very active on Facebook, at mwilliamphelps. And, you know, send me messages. Send me tips. Send me things you want me to look into. And, uh, you know, if they interest me, I'll definitely be looking into it. Um, yeah. And, oh, fantastic. Well, yeah. have them send you pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I get plenty of those, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, you're always yeah. a pleasure to talk to. You're very informed. You're very involved, and uh, we're we're very glad to have you in the uh, in this uh, true crime world that we have to deal with. So, um, uh, again, thank you for your books. Thank you for your shows, all your work, and. Um, we hope to uh, have continued success for you, and uh, we hope to see you again. Um, Matt, William Phelps, thank you for being here. Thanks, Al. It's always a pleasure. I uh, love talking to you. Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. To find out more about our show, guests or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.